Hey everybody, it's Hunter Bauer back again for the Louisiana Sports Download. We are going to have Dennis Dunn on in a few minutes to talk with us about his coaching career and more. But first, we want to talk about our friends at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Do you like to hunt or fish? If so, then you don't want to miss out on the latest discussion at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Museum. This Saturday, a talk on bass fishing and waterfowl hunting in Louisiana will be hosted at the Hall of Fame Museum starting at 10 a.m. The discussion features pro anglers Tommy Martin, Penny McClurdy, Kevin Jean, and moderator Steve Graff as they share stories. There will also be an exhibit on location that will run for eight months. The event is free, and the discussion begins around 10.30. So make plans to come out and learn more about these great sports and and enjoy a few refreshments in the process. The Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Museum is located on 800 Front Street in Natchitoches. Admission to the discussion is free, but also remember that you can tour the museum at any time Tuesday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Admission is $6 for adults and $5 for senior citizens, students, and active military. For more information, please visit lasportshall.com. Welcome to the Louisiana Sports Download, where we bring you exclusive interviews with sports figures from around the Pelican State, as well as in-depth content surrounding current events at the high school, collegiate, and professional levels. Please welcome your host, Hunter Bauer. Today's guest is one of the most recognized and respected figures in Louisiana sports. He has over 200 wins and nine state championships as a high school football coach. He's helped turn Louisiana college football into a nationally respected program. And now he's returned to the high school level, mentoring athletes at North DeSoto High School. Please welcome Coach Dennis Dunn. Coach, how are you, sir? Doing great, Hunter. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on. We, uh, We've been excited to uh, have you on as a guest. You were one of the the first people or one of the first names that I have on my list to interview and uh, excited to hear about your story and um, really, you know, basically about your coaching career. And, you know, let's start it off by just asking, you know, where, how did you, uh, how did you start out? What was your first job and uh, how'd you get into the coaching business? Well, Hunter, I, I, I can't remember a time as a young, uh, boy that I didn't want to be a coach it's something that I always wanted to do and knew that that was what I was going to pursue as a profession and uh had the opportunity to uh, uh in college I had gotten hurt in uh playing football at Southern Arkansas uh and and really finished my career after an injury uh, of playing and came back home uh to finish my degree at LSU and uh, my high school coach uh, allowed me to to help him as a college. So I was a, a student assistant uh, for Coach Ken Ivey at Southwood High School. And then when I graduated, I became an assistant at Southwood and, and was an assistant in, uh, let's see, I went to work in in 85, but I think, yeah, I, I was an assistant 85, 86 at Southwood on the defensive side of the ball and then was fortunate enough at 25 years old to be hired uh, at my alma mater, Woodlawn High School, and was head coach there for five years before, um, you know, we accepted the the Evangel coaching job and, and went from Evangel to Louisiana College 
left the college ranks after 11 years and went back into high school, was at Pineville High School there for, for a couple of years and was able to come back home uh, toward northwest Louisiana with the North Soda job just last uh, April. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. That's my career. You talk about Woodlawn. Talk to us about how, you know, when you got that job, you were able to sustain that program. I mean, it had been great in the years past, but, you know, you were taking that team to uh, district championships and playoff appearances every year. Just talk to us about, you know, your tenure there and, and you know, how fortunate you were to be able to coach uh, such a good program. Yeah. Hunter, it was an honor to be able to, to go back to my alma mater. My, my high school principal actually hired me, J.W. Cook, who's gone, who's passed away now. But but I was very, you know, I really, at 25 years old, I thought I knew everything, but I realized how much I didn't know at the time and, and was fortunate to have some mentors that coached me in high school that that gave me a lot of advice. Lowell Morrison uh, was was one of my high school coaches and he had been the head coach at Woodlawn when I played. He, uh, he was very helpful. Uh, you know, he, him and Ken Ivy both were very helpful and, and, uh, and getting me started, you know, and I was able to, to really, uh, reference them in a, in a lot of situations and had, had access to them. So they were both very, very helpful. And, uh, you know, we we do, we did. We had we had some good success. That coached some really good players at, at Woodlawn High School. When you talk about uh, some of the names that we had, I don't know how familiar some of those names were. Probably the, one of the most familiar would have been James Gilliard, who became a freshman All American at at, uh, at LSU. Had a great career at LSU there. Uh, Tyrone Frazier, who was a uh, you know, signed a baseball contract out of high school, but came back and played at LSU. Two, two of the pro- probably the most recognizable names. Terrence Strickland was a young man that I coached that went to have a great career at Tulane under Mac Brown. So, you know, had five wonderful years, won the playoffs all five years. When, when we left uh, Woodlawn in, in 92, we, we had, been high, is ranked as high as number two in the state in 5A uh, that year. So, uh, you know, really had uh, an experience. My, you know, a couple of years before I left Woodlawn, had an experience with the Lord where God really got a hold of my life, and and I felt and I felt like I was being called into to full time ministry, and and I was, but the Lord just let me keep my whistle and uh, and went to Evangel. And it was really for me uh, uh, what I felt like was a, a move into into ministry, and had no idea what was about to take place uh, at Evangel. You referenced uh, when you were at Woodlawn, um, you know, God led you uh, to go to you know, eventually taking the job at Evangel. Um, but while you were the head coach at Woodlawn, um, Evangel was getting its start. And actually, um, Denny Duran, he reached out to you, didn't he? Uh, they, they borrowed some some of y'all's uh, pads and, and things such, such as that nature. Just talk about, you know, when did Evangel uh, come on the scene for you? And, and you know, what, what about that uh, school just, you know, I guess just kind of well, was like, 
Denny, Denny and I had had become friends. I, I coached his, uh, I coached his uh, his cousin, who was really like his little brother, at Southwood High School, and and met Denny when I was at Southwood. I knew about Denny and knew of his career at Louisiana Tech and and his career at, at in the in the World Football League, and uh, so got so I, I knew that Denny had been a motivational speaker. So I invited him to come speak to our team at Southwood as when I was an assistant there. And he and I developed a, a really strong relationship, a kinship there. And, and when I got the Woodlawn job, he was one of the first guys I asked to come speak to my team at Woodlawn. And for all five years, he, he was a, one of our mainstays as a, as a motivational speaker and, and really did devotions and chapel services for us um you know all five years there and and you know he basically led me to the lord you know during those years at woodlawn and and um and and then evangel was about to start a football program the you know the school was several years old when the when his mother when denny's mother wanted to give the seniors of uh 19 i think it was 19 90 a football experience so Denny asked me then if I wanted to come coach and I wasn't ready at that point to to you know leave Woodlawn but he said anytime you feel like you're ready you know this is your job so Denny started the program and again uh he did ask if we had some old gear so man he came and he came into our equipment room and was like a little kid at Christmas time being able to go through some of those old uh pads and and uniforms and the the really the first evangel uniforms were were uniforms that Terry Bradshaw and Joe Ferguson played in so it was a pretty neat experience passing those to a place I would eventually be and uh and then you know I really felt like you know in 92 the spring of 92 was uh, it was time for me to, to make the move. And a lot of people thought I was crazy, Hunter. You know, I left a 5A program and was going to a little fledgling 1A program that people didn't never even heard about. But for me, it was not a, a coaching career change. It was a it, it was a, a God move for me and one that I really felt like was a ministry opportunity. And and uh, at that point, really, I died to all all of the ambition of the profession and just you know was allowing God to lead me and I really felt like it was it was something the Lord was speaking to me and and then you know the rest is is history from there you know you mentioned getting hired in in the spring of 92 and uh you know that fall you you helped lead Evangel to the quarterfinals your name coach of the year and uh eventually in 1993 uh you lead the Eagles to the 1A state championship with a win over West St. John coach just talk about you know did it all happen so fast i mean did you even have time to process how you know how quickly that Evangel was becoming good and uh you know just talk talk about that experience and being able to you know win your first state championship as a coach hunter we really had no clue uh that with this it would when i got to evangel I, I really thought that this thing will you know it it's going to take a miracle to get this <laughs> thing 
done and and it and people don't believe it but it was it was really a miracle we had one play there were 13 guys that spring that i showed up on the team oh wow one of them had one of them happened to be a colt by the name of josh booty yep and and he was a sophomore going into his junior year and really didn't want to play football he was a baseball guy and we had to continue to beg him to play football uh, but you know, he, he wasn't really excited about getting hit. And, uh, we, we, we told him, you know, look, we'll get you deep in the shotgun. We'll throw it every down and, and we'll keep you from getting hit. So we, we told the truth two out of three, he, he did get hit some, but, uh, um, you know, had some, you know, he was a key to that, but, um, one of the things that I think was interesting is Shreveport football had, had not been really good, you know, for a long time. I'm talking about state championship. There hadn't been a uh, playoff. We won the first playoff game at Woodlawn High School that had been won in Shreveport for 20 years when we won a playoff game in 1991. We beat LaGrange, and it was the first playoff game that had been won in 20 years. And we, we, uh, when we looked at what we made at the gate, uh, we cleared $150 at the gate after we paid expenses and the officials. And I was like, something's missing here. Something's missing. So the vision that, that Denny had had was, Hey, let's, let's put some paint on this football field. Let's stripe helmets and, and, and let's, let's begin to take care of the fields, you know, when you drove around Shreveport at that time, uh, the fields were pretty blank. Grass was growing up on fences, and things just, for whatever reason, there had been there there, there had been a spirit of apathy that had kind of come over the uh, the the Shreveport Bossier area as it related to success and and how. So what all we did was commit to, all right, we we may not be able to play very good, but we're going to look good. And, uh, and I think that was one of the things. And then when you had the success that we had early on, that fueled the, the, we didn't, people said, well, they recruit and we, we never had to recruit on it. We really didn't. I mean, once we won a championship, it was, you know, we, we had to turn kids away through the years. You, you know, we, we, we did things by the book. I learned that LHSA handbook inside out. And, uh, because we wanted to do things right. We wanted to have integrity and people will never believe that we'll never convince people that we, we never recruited. We, we didn't, I mean, we, we, we created something or the Lord helped us create something that people wanted to be a part of. And, and kids began the influx of, of kids, uh, started and we had no, we, we, we didn't start out to want to build a championship program. We, we simply wanted to have a spirit of excellence and honor God in everything that we did. And that's what happened. And, and with it, uh, you know, some, some kids began to, to, to show up and want to be a part of that thing. Parents gotten involved and, and some pride and, and, and the thing kind of snowballed and, and took a life of its own and you know we had we were fortunate to have a lot of success never set out to do that we never set out hunter to 
you know, we want to play in the largest classification, be a champion. That was never the goal. That was never the, we simply just wanted to do things with a spirit of excellence and honor God and everything that we would do. And, and, uh, you know, the results pretty much speak for themselves. You know, you mentioned earlier that when you first started out, you know, people really didn't know who Evangel was, didn't even really know the name. But, you know, as y'all continue to win, and you said there was a a lack or there was apathy uh, in the city. Did that, when y'all started to win and and championships came along and and college offers, I mean... (laughs) Was it was it almost like professional jealousy? I mean, people were just jealous that they could not achieve that kind of success at their program. I mean, what what do you Hunter, think? Of, I, you know, to be honest, I I don't know. I don't. I can't read people's minds. I never. Uh, we we never wanted to offend anybody. We never wanted to. We we talked kids into staying at at school i could mention some names of kids that wanted to come to evangel that we said no you need to stay where you're at if i mention the names it might offend some coaches who are still coaching their kids were wanting to come and i'm talking about kids who were juniors who lived in the evangel huntington zone that were going to other schools called they were going to come and we said no you need to stay where you are you need to don't do this this is not going to be good for you it won't be good for evangel it won't be good for the school you need to stay and help your school we did that over and over and over again time and again of encouraging kids not to come who could legally come and would have been eligible immediately because they they lived in our zone but you know there there were some kids who who came that you know when some some uh uh students you know began to come from the bozier philip d's who uh who had been in uh, the church there for years from the time he was in elementary school, his dad was a deacon in the church decided to come. Well, that turned some people sour, you know, because that was a Bozier, Bozier parish kid who decided to come to evangel in middle school. Never, never, we had no idea who Philip Dees was or what kind of athlete he could be. He just wanted to come to evangel because that was the church he went to. So some of that, sentiment began to take place when when he started having some some success so and then all the rumors well they're getting kids from here there and everywhere brock berlin dad was in ministry there with with denny for years brock came in the third grade we had no idea brock berlin was going to be a an all-american quarterback he he came to, to evangel in the third grade so you know all of those rumors through the years were were just they became comical, you know, and, and, um, and, and it was Tommy Henry came several times to our, to evangel to look through everything. And, and, you know, he finally had to do something in 98 just to try to keep the people off of him. He had to find something, you know, and that was the only issue that we had for all those years were, was a guy who lived in our zone at the time his mama had no other residence but he ruled that the intent of her move was not permanent and uh and he never played he was he was a backup special teams guy he ran down on three kickoffs when the games were way out of hand and uh so we forfeited three games and that was the only thing and it was 
to us, the guy was completely eligible and, and, or we never would have, I mean, are you kidding me? We never would have let a kid run down on kickoffs when the game was well in hand. If we thought there was an eligibility issue, he young man's name was Cody Allison. And, and, and he's famous because, I mean, he never played a down as a starter, but he's famous because we forfeited three games for, you know, for that, that reason. But, you know, again, you can't legislate integrity. And we, we felt like our integrity was, was intact. And I, I, you know, to this day, I'll sit there and look at anybody in the face and say, we never cheated. We never cheated. Now, if you call the playing field level or unlevel based on the rules, we'll change the rules or whatever needs to be done. And I think that all was a part of leading to the split. Obviously, you know, Evangel's name still gets thrown in there. And I know you want to talk about that later, but I can honestly say that, that, uh, me and my staff and those that worked with us all those years uh, were completely above board, and and we were an open book for anybody to come look at at any point. 93, 94, uh, 96, 97, 98, 99. I mean, y'all were on top of the world winning championships. Uh, 1999, y'all were uh, the national champions. And But I guess what I want or what stood out to me as coach from the get-go, from the very beginning, y'all weren't afraid to take on the uh, the historical uh, good programs such as a, a Hainesville or a Winfield or a Neville. Just talk about, um, you know, obviously you want want to play the best but just talk about those experiences and how they made y'all better as a team uh progressing forward yeah i i really feel like and and that's what we wanted to do start you know we felt like to get better you got to play really good people and we wanted to expose that's the reason i scheduled haynesville in in 93 was i want you guys to see what the elite looks like and i want you to experience that and and Hunter, they beat us sixty three to seven, and I had people in the Evangel community thinking, "What in the world have you done? You're gonna get our guys killed." And I, you know, after we got beat like that, I was questioning myself, "What have I done?" But it was it was an opportunity for those guys to see elite class uh, high school football, uh, perennial power. And it opened our eyes. It opened the, the, the community's eyes. It, it opened all of our eyes. Okay, this is – and look, we played them four times, and they beat us three out of four times. And uh, uh, But I think playing people like that was something that, that really um, uh, drove the, the ultimate success because, you know, certainly we wanted to schedule good people. Then it got to be, well, nobody really wanted to play. So we had to go out and find games. You know, we play, we scheduled Neville. And, and what was interesting is a lot of our Evangel kids had never, they hadn't even heard of Evangel, I mean, of, of Neville. And so I think a lot of that for those kids that came to Evangel were, they didn't know who we were playing. You know, I was intimidated. Just a line because I knew the history of Haynesville and Neville. So as a coach, I was like, what am I doing? But I remember the first time we turned on the Neville film when we were about to play. And one of the kids said, one of the starters, I'll never forget it. Uh, Justin Hermes said, which one is Neville? I mean, they had the black uniforms on. They were playing somebody I can't remember. And I'm like, okay, we're okay. He has no idea which one Neville is. It was obvious 
they had the black uniforms on, but for, for him, he was like, I don't have, he didn't know who Neville was, you know? So I knew we would be all right. So one thing about those kids through the years is, 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 uh, they never were intimidated after that first event of uh, that first Hainesville game. They never were intimidated again to walk out on the field against anybody. And, and, uh, they truly believed if they lined up, they had a chance to win. And we did, we beat some really good people through the years. When you talk about Dallas Carter and, and, uh, Moss Point, Mississippi, and some of the people that we were able and fortunate to lie Rockhurst out of Kansas city. When you, when you think about some of the people that we lined up against, we played some of the nation's best and, you know, all those Ted Lufkin, Texas and, and, uh, John Tyler out of John Tyler, uh, Texas, some of the best East Texas teams that, you know, Marshall, I think Marshall, Texas was a huge win that put us on the map. They had won a Texas state championship and I can't remember 95 or 96. And then 97, we, we beat them at their place on a Saturday afternoon. And I really think that put us on the national map when we beat Marshall, Texas. So from 96 to 99, uh, 60 straight games without a loss. Like I said, you win the national championship. Coach, was the 1999 team, was that the best team you've ever coached or the most talented team you've ever coached? I don't think it was the most talented, Mm -hmm. Hunter. I think it was the best team. I mean, those, those kids led by Brock Berlin didn't think they could lose. They believed that they were going to win every game. And, and, uh, you know, certainly that was, um, the case Brock was a great leader. I'll tell you a quick story. I've told it over and over again. He was a freshman on that 96 championship team. Philip Dees was the quarterback. So we finished the game beat, beat, uh, uh, St. James in a, in a, in a war in 96 he walks up to me as a freshman. I'll never forget it. And he looked at me. He said, Coach, our class will be 60 and 0. And I'm thinking to myself at that point, Are you, have you lost your mind? You, you have no idea who's even on the schedule next year. We got to line up and play Archbishop Shaw. I've already scheduled. We got to play Neville. We got to play Haynesville. And, uh, but I, here's what I said. I, I didn't want to bust his bubble in that, in that moment. I said, okay, Brock, if you can believe it, I can believe it. And that was never mentioned again, Hunter, until the, the final whistle had blown in 1999 after we had beaten West Monroe. He walks up to me and he hands me the trophy. He said, coach, I told you we'd be 60 and 0. It was just a be- it was a beautiful moment. He and I are the only two that really knew about it, and uh, it was a beautiful moment for me as a coach to see a kid fulfill what, what he had in his heart and the dream that he had in his heart to accomplish. It was awesome. Yeah, that was a that was a feat that you know not a lot of schools have been able to match, and just it was a magical run and had a lot of great talent on that team. Um, you know, beginning with I think it was 1999, y'all were reclassified to 5A, and y'all had some battles with West Monroe when it came to championships and regular season matchups. Coach, talk about that rivalry, and you know that rivalry really had put Louisiana on the map as a high school powerhouse uh, in general. Role, but man, just talk about those battles and and how they just kind of put Louisiana on the map, you know. Well, um, 
course, you know, Don Shiles was, was infamous for whining about private schools and recruiting and all those things that, but, but, you know, we, we laugh, uh, Don, Don Shiles was, was not infamous. He was famous for inviting people to play at West Monroe who were on other teams. We, I laugh because Brock Berlin play, played a JV game at West Monroe, uh, his, in his freshman year, he walks out on the field after the JV game and, and offers Rick Berlin, his dad, a job and, uh, and a place to live right out in the middle of the field with me standing there. So it, it, you know, he, he, what he accused people of was, it's really funny. It's humorous. Now, man, I, we laugh and we would laugh all the time, but publicly he would blast the private schools, but, but, uh, he was pretty famous for doing some of the things that he was accusing people of doing. And, but I'll say this about Don Shouse. He built a program in a community and got a, a community behind him and got something rolling that's still rolling today. So, Don Shouse knew how to do it. He knew how to build a program and built an incredible legacy there at West Monroe that's still going today. You know about uh, building legacy. If it's continuing to roll after you're gone, you've done something pretty special, and, and he did that. But they were amazing, uh, Hunter. Those were amazing games. The rivalry was incredible. Um, the excitement. You know, we we did play a couple of uh, a couple of years in the regular season. He vowed he was not going to play us in the regular season, but then I, it go the the rivalry went back to 1998 when we played in a jamboree, and it really started at Louisiana Tech when we played a jamboree in front of 23,000 people, and and we tied. And uh, never had played on the field. Everybody wanted to see us play, and we didn't play for the first time till that '99 championship game. And then we scheduled each other to play uh, in uh, in '01 and '02. And then, you know, in '01, thirty-five thousand at Independence Stadium, they beat us in that game. And then '02, we we went over there and we we beat them in '01 in the championship game. And then '02, we play at their place. Jacob Hester's senior year and had it, you know, we, we beat them twice that year. So just an amazing rivalry, a lot of fun. I thought it was great for Louisiana high school football. And it was sad when that thing ended in 2004, you know, and, and, uh, the, the, that's when the, the, uh, the whole, uh, split thing began to talk when, when you know, in, in 04, we go from five, a to one, a the next year. And, and um, so that's when all the all of the the issues I think that we're still facing today probably started. At the end of 2004, the association I guess voted or decided to make schools go to the classification that their enrollment specifies. Coach, do you think that was a direct bullet at? private schools such as Evangel and John oh, Curtis? No doubt. Well, I think it was a direct bullet at, at Evangel and John Curtis. No doubt. No question. It, I don't think it was. And I think probably some of the other private schools were like, why don't you just deal with those two? I think if Evangel and John Curtis would have went away, the, the association would probably still be together. 
um, yeah, it's it's been a uh, been a whirlwind ever since that year. Uh, I was I was going to ask you, you know, in 1998 they tried to split the the privates and the publics. They got voted down. 2004 they wanted to send Evangel and John Curtis to their own classes. Well, the, the, Hunter, I think not to interrupt. You, no, go ahead. Go ahead. They tolerated John Curtis all those years. They were tolerated. You know, you had all of the Catholic schools in the area, so really that but but it just became too much when evangel came on the scene and i think mostly because there were very few private schools in north louisiana you had a lot of private schools in south louisiana but really calvary wasn't here yet there was nothing there was nothing in north louisiana so the whole private school uh phenomenon in north louisiana was unheard of and then you know when north louisiana saw saw what was happening that's when it became really in, intolerable and and uh they tolerated john curtis but when evangel came on the scene it was just too much um you decided to leave the program in 2005 accepted the job at louisiana college uh coach just talk about you know why was it the right time to move on from evangel and uh, make that next step well i'd always wanted to coach college football and uh you know, it was a dream of mine and uh, the opportunity to to be a part of I, I always uh, love building uh, programs. I, and I've been on the ground floor of, of of a program. And then when I took the Louisiana College job, it really wasn't a great job. I was the fourth head coach in four years and just wanted to see what we could do, you mm-hmm. know. And, and uh, it was an opportunity for me to, to, to coach college and, and – um, uh, you know, had a, had an amazing 11 years. Uh, some of the finest young men I've ever been around in my life were able to impact, and we built the thing, you know, to where we were a nationally ranked team and and a playoff team. Coached some, some wonderful young men who were successful today in, in business and coaching. And my wife and I uh, counted the other day we we've got 80 kids that we've coached through the years that are in coaching themselves which i think is pretty amazing to to see the impact and and think that maybe you you had a little bit of of influence in why they chose to go into coaching so a lot of those kids were young men that we coached at Louisiana College I want to go back to 2000 real quick. You know, you were a finalist for the Northwestern State job uh, that year. What made you decide to, you know, to to stay at Evangel? And I mean, did you feel like there was just unfinished business, or just wasn't the well, right time? I had it. You know, my thought was my son was coming up, was going to be a freshman, and I'd coached everybody else's kid for all those years, and I said, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to spend some time with my son and. And having the opportunity to, to coach Derek and be a part of his life, and and um, and and I don't regret that one bit. You know, I I did the 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 Northwestern job was always intriguing to me. It still is, you know, because I thought you could take not not that I want Brad Laird's job today, but I just think it's a, a unique job because I think it's a place you could, you could have a lot of success at, you know, and I think Brad's going to do a tremendous job because he's an alum and he knows how to get it done. And, and I'm a big fan of Brad Laird. So they got the right guy in there right now. And I think, you know, if, if, if anybody can get it 
right, Brad Laird's it. But I've always thought Northwestern could be pretty special. And, and, uh, it was really hard for me, uh, to pull my name out at that time just because I wanted to be a college football coach, but family was a whole lot more important and, and man, I don't regret it at all. Yeah, you uh, you you definitely had a, a great run at Louisiana College. You know, you had four uh, Southwest Conference runner-up finishes. You had the NCAA tournament appearance uh, in 2012. I mean, Coach, everywhere you've been, you've you've certainly left the program better than when you found it. As a coach, how does that make you feel? That you know, hey, look, I put my mark on these programs, and and they're still you know successful today. Well, um, that's what been one of the mantras that I've tried to live by is is leave it better than you found it. And Hunter, I've just been very fortunate to to have some quality people with me through the years, and and uh, I can't sit here and take credit for all this. I've been very fortunate, and been very fortunate to be around some quality people, have some quality assistants, and and great young men who helped, you know create the success and and i just happened to be at the right place at the right time most of my career with with good people around me and and i'm only as good as what i've had around me and i've been fortunate to to have quality people uh in and around me through the years and and um you know it's it's been a it's been a fun career i've got some years left in me and and, you know, hopefully I can be around as long as Red Franklin was. <laughs> um, so, Coach, you, you eventually uh, you decided to return back to high school. You coached two years at Pineville, and, and then you came back home to northwest Louisiana and took over a good North DeSoto program. Um you know, talk about the you've now you've now been on both sides of the um, of the split, and just is there uh, are there problems, Coach? It, can you talk about the challenges from both sides? I don't see the association coming back together. I really wish it would, uh, just for just for the sake of Louisiana. I don't think Louisiana is a big enough um, state to to support two viable organizations. I think there are some, some viable options even on the table right now that will be voted on next week. And, uh, I don't just based on what I'm the sentiment I'm hearing. uh, I just don't see it happen. I think there's so much water that's under the bridge now. Um, it, Unfortunately, I, I don't see it coming back together. Um, again, there there is. Uh, I don't know how you create a level playing field if there is such a thing. I mean, I think you know it, it, we live in America and life is is not fair. I mean, there's there's nothing that's you know when you get into life, there's not a level playing field. When you get into the business world it's not a level playing field and and it's it's you can't legislate and i've heard it over and over again you can't legislate integrity and that's true and uh you know if you've got questions through the years you know if evangel and john curtis were the issues we come show us you know let's let's uh Tell us what we're doing wrong, you know, come 
check everything. We played by the letter of the law every, you know, the whole time I was there. And, and I can honestly say that with a, with a pure heart, there was nothing that we did that was above board. Now, did we have some advantages that maybe a, a school that had to take kids in their own attendance zone? Yeah. You know, though it, that was an advantage, but now that's out the window when you got open enrollment and, and several parishes across the state, you've got the magnet schools. You, I mean, this whole process of of uh, all of that's out the window, and I, I think the association could come back together uh, again. You can't legislate integrity if there's if there are some schools that 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 are constantly having problems. If there's five or six, seven schools, deal with those schools, but don't uh, don't punish the entire association because of five or six or seven schools. I, I, my hope would be that it would come back together. I don't see that happening. I would be all for it, understanding the the advantages and disadvantages and as a whole. But I think, um, Hunter, we've got some real problems with championships. We've got some problems with sponsorships and and uh, and corporate uh, monies that that it's going to be very difficult for the LHSAA to sustain itself. And I don't know how we'll do it if we don't come back together, because when you begin to discriminate against a group of people, then you've got a real problem on your hands. And I think that's what's happening. I think a lot of kids, it's unfortunate. It's like, for instance, the state championship this year for a lot of those kids not to be able to play in the, in the Superdome. when that's been the goal the whole time. That's, that's a travesty. That's a, uh, that's not fair to those kids, and uh, so I, I think we, uh, to me, uh, when you really look at it, when 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 you begin to think through what what is a level playing field, and and you know, you create advantages in business when you're in business against somebody else one day. There are some things that aren't fair. I mean, life is not fair, and and um, you know, unfortunately, we're trying to to legislate fairness in, in a in a culture in in a country that uh, that talks about the American dream and and trying to become and be the very best you can be, and then when you begin to legislate. Uh, fair play, you can water down a system and eventually the system dies because um, you've led, you've tried to legislate excellence and, and you, and you can't do that. And uh, I don't think it's, I mean, I, I really think it's a, a cultural issue and it, it's a, it's not an issue that, that you can fix by legislation. I really don't and and i i would hope the association with cooler heads would prevail again i'm i'm sitting here lining up against evangel district we got our, our brains beat out but i don't think it's i don't think it's an issue that that can't be addressed and we can't come back together and do the best for the whole instead of instead of trying to punish five or six or seven schools by splitting the whole whole, whole organization so that's just my opinion for what it's worth probably not Probably not worth a whole bunch, but 
anyway, there, there you have it. If I don't, I don't know if that made a, a bit of sense. Oh, it did. My- it did. And, and one of the follow-up questions I had for you was, um, you know, you talked about when you, when y'all were at Evangel, uh, operating within that letter of law and, you know, that was what the LHS constitution at that time, you know, y'all abided by those rules and that's really been a big issue or, you know, a big topic with this administration and the LHSAA, you know, the constitution or the rules, you know, you can interpret them this one, this way or, or that way. Uh, coach, in your opinion, when you left high school in 2005 and then you came back in 2017, is it a different association from when you left? <laughs> In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. The the animosity that that was felt back then, and you still feel it today. You know, and and uh, you know that that's unfortunate. But the landscape certainly looks different. Uh, the separation of the select, non-select, in the playoffs is is uh, you know you can't you can't declare a true state champion. I'm sure a lot of those. Those teams that won championships would love to play the other. You know, let's see who really is the best in the state. And uh, so, yeah, the landscape looks a lot different, but I think the animosity and and a lot of the sentiment is still the same here, you know, 14, 15 years later of when when I got, when I left high school. So I heard a lot of the same stuff that I heard 14, 15 years ago at the area meeting the other day. And I'm like, you know, wow, this is, uh, this is the same. (laughs) I was hearing this stuff 14, 15 years ago. So I think the sentiment in Northwest Louisiana is, Hey, that we're split. We're going to be split now, figure out a way for the split to work, you know, quit trying to bring it back together. That's the sentiment I heard in in our place in our, in, in our area meeting the other day. It's going to be exciting to see how it plays. Well, not really exciting, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out within the next few months. Um, uh, Coach, before we let you go, I, I did have a question for you. Um, how was it returning back to Evangel this year, you know, being on the other sideline? Well, it was, uh, it was, it was very interesting. Uh, it was a, it was a driving rainstorm mm-hmm. and, and to be honest with you, I didn't feel anything. All I felt was, man, I want to get out of here cause I'm soaking <laughs> wet and I'm freezing. And, uh, so, re- so really I, I, I love the place. Mm-hmm. It was a place that was very special to me. I love the people there. Denny Duran is still a, uh, a great friend of mine. Um, and, and they still are doing it. Byron Dawson is one of mine played for me. And, mm-hmm. and I think he's done a, a great job of sustaining the, uh, the legacy. And, and, um, I, I owe that place a, a lot because, you know, it was, it was bigger than football for me, um, in, in those years and, and going back was, certainly sentimental but you know at the end of the day you still got to line up and play football and and there's x's and o's and you know this year they were better than us and hopefully we can get to a place where our guys look forward to lining up and playing against those guys 
Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see uh, how these these next couple of years. I think you um, I think you got a great program ahead of you, and uh, you know you're an excellent coach. You're good at building programs, and I think you're going to do a great job at uh, at North DeSoto. Uh, one last question, and I'll let you go. And uh, that is, Coach, what do you want to be remembered for? What it, what do you want your legacy to be? Well, uh, for for me, Hunter, I, I think the the impact that I had in in building men, not building champions on the field or building great teams, uh, I would hope that um, the the legacy will be. I, I tried to create a culture and an environment where. Uh, young men would leave understanding how important it is to be a a great husband, a great father and a great citizen. And, um, you know, with that said, you know, if, if I'm remembered for anything, the guys that played for me, I hope that that's what they remember is, is coach Dunn loved me beyond this game. And, and he loved me for the person that I am, not, not for the football player, uh, that I was for him, and and uh, that's my heart, and hopefully that's the way I'm remembered. Definitely, you've you've certainly made an impact on on thousands of kids, and and uh, I'm I'm rooting for you, and I'm excited to see what you're going to do with uh, with North DeSoto. And with that, we want to thank you for coming on, and we hope to have you back on soon for uh, for another another episode. And we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us. Hunter, it's been an honor, and and um, looking forward. I appreciate everything you've done for high school football. Loved your book on the Haynesville story, and thank you, sir. And uh, just appreciate all you do for high school football. Know how much you love it. Thank you for for doing what you do. Well, thank you, and thank you for what you do too, Coach. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow at Louisiana Preps on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe for free to listen every week to the Louisiana Sports Download.